We are in a series called Saturate. We're learning how to be authentic disciples of Jesus. This week, Zach preached a message on His Gospel Heals. We hope you enjoy today's message and hope to see you around at Antioch. One thing I want you to be aware of, October 9th through the 11th, we are doing a church-wide fast. We are going to fast and pray for our city, our church, and our nation, and we'd love for you to be a part. If you've never fasted before, we'd love for you to jump in in some way, October 9th through the 11th, and then that 11th is a Wednesday. We are going to meet up at the church at 6.30 to pray and worship together to break our fast. And so please put that on your calendar. We are looking forward to it and hope you enjoy today's message. From the launch of our church, we have had a vision to join in with Jesus's work of saturating Dallas with the goodness of the gospel. But why is this so important? When the gospel saturates a city, spiritual renewal happens. People become more generous and empathetic. Families flourish. Vibrant communities are built. Race relations are more healthy. Works of mercy and compassion for the poor are invigorated. Schools are strengthened. Healthcare becomes more holistic and healing, and businesses are more creative and humane. When the gospel saturates a city, God is known and cherished and people flourish. And this is where you come into the story. As a church family, we want to renew our commitment to this vision and the values that undergird it. You have a meaningful part to play as we join with Jesus in saturating Dallas with the goodness of the gospel. Today's Old Testament reading is from Isaiah 53. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with His stripes we are healed. The New Testament reading is from Romans 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Gospel reading is from Matthew 9. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Man, that's exciting. As the video said, we are in a season of renewal and recommitment to the values of being authentic disciples of Jesus, to the values and the priorities of being an authentic church of Jesus Christ. Last week, we focused on value number one, which was Jesus is our treasure. Put simply, he is not a means to some other end. He is an end in of himself, that we are invited to come to him, to drink of the waters that never run dry, that satiate our thirst in him, to be filled with the bread of life, and to find him to be our chief joy and greatest treasure. He himself is the good news of the gospel. And as a community, as a follower of Jesus and a group of followers of Jesus, 
That's our first and utmost priority from which all these other values flow. Today, we're going to speak on value number two, kind of core DNA issue, and that's related to healing. And we're going to talk specifically about the theme that the gospel of Jesus heals today. That's what we're going to focus in on. Before we do that, I want to just say a quick word about our upcoming time of prayer and fasting. Uh, We do this cyclically as a church once to twice a year. We take time to come together to seek the Lord in prayer and fasting as followers of Jesus have done throughout the ages. And uh, we're doing that again next week, October 9th, 10th, and 11th. And I want to invite you to be a part. I want to invite you to join in with us in this time of prayer and renewal. What's interesting about this time is that it's part of a larger movement of prayer and fasting that's going to be going on in our nation. There's a group of Christians from diverse backgrounds that are gathering in Washington, D.C. as a part of something called Awaken the Dawn that are going to be seeking the Lord for uh, revival and renewal in our nation. And don't you know, we need it. Uh, the larger network of Antioch churches, our church, our family of churches, we're all going to be coming together in that time, praying and fasting in our various locales across uh, the United States. And we get the opportunity to join in with that here in Dallas. So if you never fasted before, man, this is a great time to jump in, fast a meal, fast a day, uh, maybe go for the whole thing. Uh, I would encourage us all to say, man, I want to jump in, right? You can always come up with a reason not to pray. You can always come up with a reason not to fast. But when we step into uh, that spiritual act, wow, uh, it has changed my life personally. It's changed our church. It's even changed the course of history. And we want to do that uh, in the coming days. So that'll be October 9th, 10th, and 11th. And we'll be talking about that uh, in our newsletter this week and next week as well. Uh, secondly, if you notice in the basket where the Bibles and journals are, uh, we've also got something called Welcome Home October 2017. New little piece of communication that might be helpful for you if you are a paper person. It is what's going on at Antioch this month, and they're available in the little baskets in the back or at the Welcome Home Center, so you can kind of see everything that's going on, because we want you to be a part. We want to communicate well so that you can be a part. All right, let's look at our value for today, and to start, I want to ask you a question. Are you a game show person? Are you a game show person? Do you like to watch game shows? Do you like to, you know, see if you can get on there and solve the, solve the answers? Anybody game show people in here? Oh, we got, we got a few, right? Uh, I, I think game shows are quite interesting. I have one particularly that I would love to be on. It's Jeopardy. Uh, my mom would watch Jeopardy. She was a teacher. So when we'd go home from school when I was a kid, she would watch Jeopardy and I would watch it. And I found it pretty fascinating. I try and get the answers or, or in that case, get the questions. Jeopardy's always confusing that way. But I'm still interested in it. Uh, I would like to be on there. I don't know if I'd be any good, right? It'd depend on the category. Like if we got sports, I'd be pretty good. Bible, I hope I'd be pretty good. And uh, some other stuff, art history, I'd be lost. So I'd try and phone a friend if they have that in Jeopardy. But I want to give you today, just pretend we're on Jeopardy. And I want to give you an answer to which you have to ask the question. Okay, we'll see who can do it, right? Just feel like you're on Jeopardy today. This Spanish explorer was rumored to have spent much of his life searching for the fountain of youth. Anybody got it? Go for it. 
Close, but no cigar. Close, but no cigar. Another answer? Oh, Ponce de Leon, you get a thousand Jeopardy dollars, which equates to I don't know what, but you can come to the welcome lunch after and have some fajitas on the house. Ponce de Leon. So here's the story about old Ponce. He was a Spanish explorer, uh, and supposedly this is legend, and we don't know that it's fact, but at least legend tells us that when he came to the Americas, he heard a rumor that there was a magical fountain of water that if you partook of it, it would restore your youth. And I'm going to loosely quote here uh, that it was so powerful that an old man could take of the water and could be reinvigorated such that he could perform manly exercises, that he could take a new wife and beget new children. Wow. Powerful fountain right there. And so uh, rumor has it that De Leon and other explorers like him searched and hunted and longed after this fountain of youth. Uh, the fountain of youth, though, is not a concept just limited to the Spaniards of the 1500s. We see a similar concept in the Bible in John chapter 5, the pool of Bethesda. You see a layman there longing to get in this water that supposedly had healing powers. We see the same concept in the biographies of Alexander the Great, the, the myths of the medieval ages, and even on into present day in the Marvel comic books. There's this kind of longing and hungering and obsession with a fountain of youth. And if you think about it, this longing to be healed, this longing to be restored, is something that transcends culture, something that transcends age, transcends generations and economic levels from which we live, transcends ethnicities and political persuasions. There's something wired into all of us that longs for healing. If you think about it, this fuels, this longing fuels billion-dollar industries in our nation. It fuels the kind of the beauty and skincare industry. This product will restore the, the youthfulness of your skin or will grow back your hair like you're a young man. Again, right there, it drives a billion dollars of transactions a year, hungering and longing for that restoration. It drives billions of dollars of transaction in the nutrition industry, right? This supplement, uh, this superfood, this drink will give you energy like you've never had before, and you'll just be able to be all that you were made to be. How many billions of dollars of medical sales are sold with this same type of hope of being restored? Even as I sit here and talk about it now, I imagine that you can think of an area in your own life or an area in the life of one of your friends or close family members that you're longing for healing. You're longing for renewal. You're longing to be made right. Maybe it's something as surface level as regrowing hair or getting rid of some wrinkles. Or maybe it's deeper, a sickness or a disease that's destroying someone, right? Even as I share right now, you can sense the, the engagement in the room, where people that know we need healing. And within that context, I want to lead us into a time of looking at Jesus and meditating on him, because one of the central aspects of Jesus's ministry 
is that he has a ministry of healing. Put simply, Jesus is a healer. And this is an often overlooked, at times abused or neglected aspect of who Jesus is, what he has done, what he is doing, and the mark that it's supposed to leave on his people, on his genuine disciples. And so I want to take you into a, a number of dimensions of Jesus' healing ministry. This is going to be a little bit more of a teaching Sunday. So if you're a note taker, I'm going to give you a list. We can take some notes. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures. I'd encourage you to note these scriptures down so that you can look deeper into them uh, this week as we go through. Okay, so first dimension of Jesus' healing ministry is that of physical healing. Jesus has power to heal physical sickness. When we look through the Gospels, if you read it for the first time or the thousandth, it stands out to you that Jesus is consistently prioritizing healing people of their physical sickness. If you look in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says this, Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, meaning he went far and wide everywhere he went, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing Every disease and every affliction. Jesus had a ministry of physical healing. As you read about his disciples' process of learning and apprenticing themselves to him and following him, you'll see that he taught them, this gave them this ministry as well, that the healing wasn't just Jesus doing it, but he empowered them by the Spirit of God to bring physical healing wherever they went. You see, this marks the book of Acts and the life of the early church that there are people being healed. So what about today? What do we do with that today? Well, typically I find that people are in one of three camps. I want you to think about which camp you might be in. The first camp is, well, Jesus did that and the disciples did that, but that's not really how things work anymore. That doesn't happen Anymore, right? We just, we, 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 we don't, that is, that's not the way God works. I mean, I guess He could if He wanted to, but that's just not what He does, right? He works through giving doctors wisdom and nurses wisdom and, and researchers wisdom. And, and we have His word. And out of a desire to honor His word and lift up His word, we just don't believe that God does that anymore. That might be where, where you are. A second camp of people, when we start talking about healing, I kind of respond pretty strongly to this first camp and say, no, 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 he still does it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the way they respond is, is what some people call name it and claim it, gab it and grab it, uh, where you say, Jesus is a healer. He's given me authority to heal, so I'm going to speak it out with my words. And I had a cold coming on this morning, but I told it no in Jesus' name, and I don't have a cold anymore, right? I'm going to name it, and I'm going to claim it. I'm going to gab it, and I'm going to grab it, right? And this kind of camp over here, if you're there, right, you, you, you kind of get frustrated with the people that say he doesn't do it anymore. And if you're in the camp that says he doesn't do that anymore, you get frustrated with the people in this camp that says it's all the time, Right? And then there's the rest of us, kind of the confused middle, where we're like, well, I don't know. We kind of see some of the um, extremes of the name it, claim it kind of movement. And we're like, oh, I, that makes me feel uncomfortable. 
We see some of the extremes of that he doesn't do that anymore movement. We're like, ah, I, I, I don't know. I'm just confused. So I'll just kind of sit back and let everyone else duke this out, trust God, and let him do what he wants to do type deal. I bet you're in one of those three camps, right? It's important for us to understand, though, where is Jesus calling us? Where is Jesus moving? And so I want to speak to the first camp that God doesn't do that anymore. I honor your appreciation and desire to honor the word. And I respect your, uh, your honoring of medical professionals. Praise God for the doctors, the, the nurses, the, the researchers. If you're in here, praise God for medicine. right? And I understand your concern over the abuses of the name it and claim it folks. But what I want to do is just challenge you lovingly to say, hey, I think in our desire to honor the word, we might be missing out on an aspect of what Scripture calls us, the ministry that Jesus has given to the church. And I want to take you to James chapter 5, verse 14, as one place among many where we see that this ministry was given to the church, to Jesus' followers today. James chapter 5, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. What's this saying? This is an instruction given to authentic disciples of Jesus. This is instruction given to authentic churches of Jesus Christ that part of our ministry, part of our calling as Jesus' people is that we would have a ministry of physical healing. We're instructed when people are sick, we're to pray for them and we're given the assurance that God will move and God will heal. And so if you're in camp one, I want to encourage you to look afresh at the word of God and let that shape our expression. There's more in the area of physical healing than we might have known. If you are in the name and claim it crowd, you're like, finally, somebody is telling that other camp what I've been saying for a long time. Okay, now hold on. Let's, let's, let's dig in a little bit deeper. Name it, claim it, people. Man, I appreciate your faith and your zeal and your desire to see everything that Jesus died for us experience. That's amazing. What I, I would encourage you with, though, is that if you look uh, at some of the ramifications or the outcomes, some of the fruit of this movement, that it can at times be very abused that it can at times lead us to places that line up with prosperity gospel theology, that can lead us to places of presumption and to speaking into things that God is not doing, that the extremes can be abusive. And it doesn't represent the full counsel of Scripture. It doesn't represent the full story that God is telling in Jesus, and I want to point you to an example, Hebrews eleven thirteen. This speaks to the well. What happens when people don't get healed? What happens when I had faith and I spoke it, and man, I believed, and the person died, or the sickness got worse? What what happens? Hebrews eleven thirteen, speaking about the hall of faith. If you're familiar with the Bible, it's talking about the heroes of our faith, and it says these all died in faith. I mean, they were walking in faith, they were living by faith, and they died in faith, not having received the things promised. That they died not receiving 
the promise. But having seen them, they greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. What we need to remember is that Christ's healing ministry is for the here and now, but there's also a larger dynamic, a larger dimension of it. And that leads us into our second point, that our best life is not now. Although I hope the best for you and for me and believe in following Jesus, we experience life as it's meant to be lived. But there's a deeper and more profound work of healing that's not limited to a time, but it is the second dimension, and that is the healing of resurrected bodies. Now, this is a little talked about uh, doctrine in the modern church, but man, we talked about it in the Nicene Creed, and this is something that we need to be aware of. That Jesus' work in our lives does not end with the grave, but just as he is resurrected as first fruits, you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are going to be resurrected from the dead. Do you know that the grave does not have the last word over your life? Do you know that sickness does not have the last word over your life? I want to, yeah, we can get excited about this, and we need to spend like a year just talking about this. It's awesome. 1 Corinthians 15, 53 says this. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your sting? Amen. You and I, are going to receive resurrected bodies, not frail and broken uh, like the bodies that we have now, but renewed and invigorated and made new in the resurrection. Praise God. That's really exciting. Jesus is his heathen ministry of resurrecting bodies. Now, if you're in the confused middle camp, hopefully hearing it balance out, you realize that to be an authentic disciple of Jesus means stepping out of, I don't know, and getting stretched a bit, seeking to honor the word and walk in faith and pursue God in the area of physical healing. In fact, as a church over the years, we've had a number of rather remarkable miracles in the area of physical healing. And this is something that we want to pursue under the leadership of Scripture. We want to pursue this together. If you're a social media person, if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, we're going to be uh, posting these video testimonies of different people in our church community, through our church community, that have been healed physically through prayer by Jesus, part of the ministry of being an authentic follower of Christ. So that'll be coming out this week. If you're on one of those channels, I want to go to the third dimension, and that is uh, something deeper than physical. It, it, it's, it's a heart level. The next ministry that we see of Jesus is healing our stubborn pride. Jesus has a ministry of healing our stubborn pride. If you read the full uh, storyline of Scripture, our most significant problem is not the physical sickness we might have or not have. Our most significant problem is our stubborn pride that causes us, that leads us to say to God, we don't want you to be our king. We want to be our own king. We don't want you to be our creator. We want to create our own lives. We don't want to follow your wisdom we want to follow our own wisdom. God, I don't want to get behind your kingdom and bless it. I want you to get behind my kingdom and bless me. And this attitude, this pernicious, stubborn attitude has unleashed all kinds of destruction 
in our lives personally and throughout the world. And Jesus heals our stubborn pride, what the Bible calls sin. Let me show you. In the word, Ezekiel 36, 25. I love this passage of scripture. I was reading this last night and I was telling my wife, man, I'm getting fired up to preach today. This will build you up and I want to read it to you. This is a prophecy about Jesus. Ezekiel 36, verse 25. God speaking, I will sprinkle clean water on you. This is God speaking to his people. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. Now think about that. We talked about idolatry last week. If you left here, man, I'm a hopeless idolater. I idolize this and this and this and this and this. Guess what? Jesus has power to heal you and me from our idolatry. He has power and he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I'll remove that hard heart that's bent towards pride and self-reliance and I'll give you a tender heart heart, a heart that's tender to the Lord and tender to people. This is part of the promise of the gospel. This is part of Jesus' healing ministry is that he heals our stubborn pride. That is good news. Amen. Amen. The next dimension of his healing is that he heals our broken relationship with God. With a new heart and a new spirit, Jesus reconciles us to God the Father. Uh, Some have said that God is close to everyone, but many people live far away from God. But as Jesus heals our hearts, as he heals the inside of us, he also restores our relationship to God the Father. Let's look at that. 2 Corinthians 5.18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In Jesus, if you think you have a broken relationship with God, you're mistaken. Jesus has reconciled you to the Father. If you're a follower of Christ, it's an aspect of his healing ministry. Dimension five, Jesus heals our spiritual blindness. So many of us, if we were to go into kind of the inner recesses of our minds and hearts, we have all these conflicting, accusing, uh, blasphemous, slanderous ideas of who God is. And we live in disappointment and bitterness and anger and distance from the Lord. And Jesus has power to heal our vision of God. Look in John 14, Jesus said this, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. That means that when you see Jesus, you see what God the Father is like. He restores our sight. He realigns us around truth. That's exciting. Dimension six, Jesus heals our wounded emotions. This is a sixth dimension of his healing ministry. So many of us, we have bitterness. We have places in life through our family or through school or work where we've received kind of these internal messages and we feel like we live wounded. You might feel like right now that you are a wounded person and you don't know how to get beyond your past and past disappointments and hurts and things that people said. I want you to know we weep with you for the pain that you've been through. And I want you to know that you have a healer in Jesus. Isaiah 61 proclaims this about Jesus, that the spirit of the Lord would be upon him because the Lord has anointed Jesus to bring good news to the poor. Look at this. Jesus speaking. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. You brokenhearted today? You have a healer in Jesus with power to heal 
your emotional woundedness. Praise God. Dimension seven. This healing is not just limited to us personally. We've got a couple more dimensions. Hang in there with me. This is rich stuff. This healing is not limited to us as individuals, but Jesus heals our relationships. Jesus reconciles us to God and reconciles us to one another. This heals relationships, families, and communities. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, speaking about the ministry of Jesus, He Himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus breaks down the dividing walls that we have amongst ourselves of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in the place of the two so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Some translations translate that one new man into a new humanity. Jesus has a ministry of healing, reconciling us to God and to one another. Our nation and our world needs this ministry in the followers of Jesus in these days more than ever. Dimension eight, uh, it's not just individuals, it's not just relationships. Jesus is healing our world. Jesus is healing our broken world. Look at Revelation 21, verse 1 through 5. This is the Apostle John speaking a vision of heaven, a vision of what is to come, and he says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Now the first heaven and the first earth the Bible talks about is where we live right now. But Jesus is healing our broken world. There's a new heaven and a new earth. And I heard a voice, a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Verse 5, And he who is seated on the throne, being God, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Jesus is healing our broken world. So the question then for us, if this is what Jesus is doing, and this is the ministry that he's called his followers, disciples, into, then how do we cultivate this value in our midst? If the gospel heals, how do I let that heal me? And how do I walk in that as an agent of healing, as a minister of healing? That's a call for all of us. How do we do that? I'm going to offer you three things that we're doing as a church so you can kind of see the why behind the what. And just like last week, this is not a to-do list for you to kind of add, you know, along with your grocery list and everything else you're trying to pull off. But I'm sharing these and I'm challenging you as a disciple of Jesus to ask the Holy Spirit, what's one step during this series of looking at core values? What's one step that he's calling you to take to say, I'm going to take a step forward in discipleship and embracing this and walking in this. I'm going to go through three things related to healing. Number one is that we practice confession of sin and repentance. Now, this is very countercultural, right? We want to put our best foot forward. But as disciples of Jesus, we realize the power of confessing sin 
and repenting. So one of the reasons why we do life groups is to build the type of relationships where people can be transparent. It's always going to be a battle. No one wants to look uh, like share your deepest, darkest secrets with people. But we value being transformed and receiving healing. And We confess our sin and we repent one to another. We receive healing, power of Jesus. So I want to encourage you to make this a part of your lifestyle. Number two, healing prayer. We pray almost every Sunday after the services for the sick. We hold different uh, events where we're praying for the sick. We want to contend for the power of God to be released in physical, emotional, spiritual, and relational healing. Amen? Amen. And so that's why we're doing this. And so I want to encourage you, if you need to be healed or you know that God has a call on your life to grow in this, to participate in our times of prayer and healing. One of the great things we're doing in this fast coming up, it's a great opportunity to call out to the Lord for breakthrough and healing in our lives and the lives of our friends and our nation. Third thing is relational repair. We want to be a community. We want to be people that when relationships are wronged or broken, that we don't necessarily run and disappear from from going back and making things as best we can. I know there's a lot of complexity with this, right? And I acknowledge the complexity, but as a consistency, we want to be people that pursue uh, healing broken relationships, that go the extra mile as best we can to make things right where things have gotten off track. We want to be people that are peacemakers. Uh, And with that, I'm going to lead us in a time of going to the Lord with these things. Uh, The way we're going to do that today is the band is going to lead us in worship, and we're going to take communion together. It's a great opportunity for us to go to God with the things that have been shared with us today, with the meditation that we've been going through, and look to Jesus and His healing power. Now, we've not done communion in this building, so it's going to be a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit chaotic. That's okay. Uh, We're going to have some of our volunteers. They're going to be in the four corners of the room. And as the band leads us in worship, when you feel ready, you can go and you can receive communion. If you're here today and you're like, "Ah, I don't know, I'm not really into this Jesus thing. I don't know about taking communion. That's cool. You can stay where you are. This is a great community to learn and to grow and to be where you are in the journey. And we want to help you take steps toward Jesus along the way. So will you stand? Jesus, thank you that you're a healer. Thank you that your healing is so multidimensional. We could, we could spend years just looking at each aspect. Thank you that you've given us as your followers a value and a ministry for healing. God, and we want to come to you right now and we're asking by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would move in our midst, that you would both be our healer and use us in healing others. Pray that as we come to you in communion and in worship, that you would fill us with the Spirit, Lord, and grow us as your people. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope that encouraged you. If this message spoke to you, if God's doing something in your life, I'd love for you to send us an email and let us know. You can do that by just hitting reply on any of the emails you get from us. Wait, what's that? You don't get emails from us. Oh, man, why don't you go to our website and you can sign up for our community newsletter. Once a week, you'll get updates on what's going on, what God is doing in our midst, and we would love for you to be a part. 
Uh, if you've enjoyed this series of podcasts, love for you to go on iTunes and leave a review. It helps other people find out uh, about this stuff. Love you guys, and we'll see you next week.